It's another episode of the Wedge Life Podcast. I'm your host, John Edwards, and today I'm joined by Pine, who you may remember from the tiny box on episode two. The Pine Cam. If you if you check Pine's IMDB page, you will see that Pine is listed as Krista's campaign manager on episode two of the Wedge Life Podcast. It's true. It's true. Uh, I still am. And that's why I've got like Krista's um, podcast set up behind me. Um, you know, the, the place isn't that big. So there's really only a good space for one podcasting setup. <laughs> right. And be- before you were on the 10 year old laptop. Before I was on the 10 year old laptop. Uh, that was that was a mistake. I do have like a better computer, um, but it does not have a good like backdrop mm-hmm. and like it's like right next to this one so it, it would have been like feedback hell and we're we're gonna list you as political analyst yes that is That's what we do with politicos and campaign types is what cnn does to avoid <laughs> like the cut the uh the ethical issues with putting uh campaign operatives on tv I, I just I was inspired by your recent episode where where you decided to drop a bunch of endorsements to I, I dropped to a, a few friends of mine my own personal endorsements as well. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely a what do you call political analyst now? Yes. And on Friday, we accidentally got vaccinated together. It was amazing. Yeah, I'm so happy. We ran into each other at a St. Louis Park Cub. And uh, we got the vaccine together. Krista was there too. She was. How did it feel to finally get vaccinated? Uh, I cried. <laughs> I definitely, like, I'm just... I wasn't going to reveal that, but yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> I feel bad that I didn't have an emotional reaction. What does it say about okay. me that I went through an entire year of coronavirus and I didn't have an emotional reaction to the vaccine? I think it says bad things about me. Yeah, um, I don't know. It was, it was, um, it's a lot. Um, last night I was, I can see um, the new Lozo combo that Ogun's at uh, Lake in Chicago from my window now. And I was like, I've been wanting to go there after midnight, like all year. I can see this open sign blinking and I've never gone in because I don't, want to spread the pandemic to people who just want to make burritos um, but now i'm like i can go in i'm uh, i'm gonna be able to go in there in like two weeks i'm losing it you can't you can't go in yet we've got to wait like 14 days uh, yeah yeah in like two weeks and so you, you biked for your vaccine i took the bus and we, we were talking about how it's like the most dangerous things you've done in a year to get the vaccine yeah. Where are walkable vaccines? I don't know. 
maybe the people who live next to the fairgrounds could walk to their vaccine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was really annoyed because I got, uh, I found out that Alina, who is in this building with me, like right over there, they, they, they've been doing like clinics occasionally for people who live here. And like, I keep finding about them after all the appointments have been booked. And I'm just like, I want to ride the elevator and get a shot. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> but no. So people from St. Louis Park are probably coming here and I'm going to St. Louis Park and it's just a whole pain in the ass. But and so let, let's talk about this before our guest gets here. Mike yeah. Norton, who is a city council candidate in Ward 13. Yeah. We were, I was trying to get uh, Nick Core from Ward 7 to come on the show. Because yeah. you you have Ward 7 experience. I you do. You used to live in Ward 7. I did. Can, campaign said they would get back to me. No word from the Nick Core campaign. And so we had to go with your second choice, which surprisingly is Mike Norton from Ward 13. Why is Mike Norton? Why do you want to talk to Mike Norton? Um, I just think he's a really fun candidate to talk to. I want to I want to understand why he's running. I do have the vaguest Ward 13 connection possible. I'm going to tell a quick story about it. So um, I, I don't even know if I've ever actually been to Ward 13. Like what is even there? Um, but I went to Italy once uh, a couple, a few years ago to go to the street with my last name on it, which, you know, is kind of a good once in a lifetime trip. Um, so I was walking down this extremely narrow street that you can't see on Google Street View because they don't allow cars on it, um, which is beautiful and fantastic. And that's why the other reason I had to go, because I was like, this is just amazing. Um, it's like six stories of residences and it's this narrow walkway. And on the street with my last name on it, um, I looked at the mailboxes just to see what kind of people lived here. And like, if any of them had my last name, none of them had my last name, but I did see a Palmasano on the list. Hello, I'm Lene Palmasano. Oh. Mailbo mailbox for Palmasano on the street with my last name on this. That's my extremely remote Ward 13 connection. Ward 13 incumbent Lene Palmasano. <laughs> this is a very Italian name. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. I've been, uh, I think I've been, I've probably been to a place called Edwardsville. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I don't, are there, are there, how many of them are there? Like 30? just sit here and wait for Mike Norton. Do you have do you have any special questions for Mike Norton? What do you find fun about this guy? Oh, uh I I just um I think it's really fun to acknowledge that you're the the underdog challenger and to say, you know what, I'm going to do this anyway and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and my time where that is and I just think that's a really interesting kind of person who first of all has those resources but then like second of all who just literally spends the time on it it's it's not an insignificant amount of time as uh as a political analyst i can say that it's not an insignificant amount of time if you do it, it right if you do it right we don't it's, know if he's doing it right we don't know we don't know we're gonna find out but i mean even just looking at the website it's you know i mean maybe paid somebody to do that but it still looks like it was written in conversation with an actual human being. So 
it's it's time spent. You know what I learned? I learned he was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome in 2019. I saw that. Um, that was interesting. I also saw this other thing that you wanted to that, that I saw in the in the notes for the future about the complimentary lot. lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I love like that. that. I do actually. <laughs> It was on. It was on something called like the Transportation Club of Minneapolis and St. Paul. I don't know what that is. We're gonna have to. I don't ask know what that, that is, but I want to find out. Basically, yeah. he appears to know stuff about freight, which is a, a niche interest, if any, if nothing else. He's a he's a, an award winning business leader, so of course he would yeah. know about freight and logistics. I think I think he's on the way. I can see it. Oh, there, there we he go. Is. There's Mike Norton. Hello. You you're joining the show already in progress. So. Oh, good. So we we did a little. Oh, here's my dog. <laughs> that's uh, Maleficent J. Woofingtons, right? Uh, yep, right. Maleficent J. Woofingtons. She goes goes by Mal. Um, when we adopted her, she. Uh, well, maybe she's done, but. Uh, we adopted her. My daughter was in first grade, I want to say, uh, my stepdaughter. And so Disney movies were very big at that time in her life. And that's kind of the name. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We were, we were talking so, about you right before you arrived, going, going over your website. Let's see. All right. right. You already Oops. answered one of the questions that we had. How, how did uh, Mal get her name? And now we know it's great. Now. Yeah. It's not, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, try and try and be somewhat creative, but yeah, it's not not as exciting as you might hope. There, yeah, she loves that fire. There she oh, is. There, there, there's the dog. Fantastic. It's not a cat. Fantastic. I love it. It's not a cat. I apologize for that, but she's uh, approximately cat size. Right, I don't yeah, know if that gets her any. Kind of dog credit. that would get beat up by a cat, right? Uh, you know, she's pretty feisty. I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> Um. <laughs> no animal fighting animal cuddling they would they would cuddle probably hopefully so tell us about ward 13 do the do the candidate thing where you flatter your neighborhood and your ward and tell us what you love about it sure um i mean there's a lot to love about ward 13 in southwest minneapolis already I, you've kind of got half approximately of the chain of lakes in ward 13 um Minnehaha Creek. Uh, there's a lot of great restaurants. Um, you know, it's really, I've, I've loved living here. I've lived in Lyndhurst since 2014. Um, Burroughs Elementary was where we went to school and now Justice Page. Uh, it's really a great, great place to live. Um, and you still get to be a part of Minneapolis uh, and everything else with it. So you're kind of in the city, but you know, among the lakes, among the creek and so on. Okay. So. And so how's the campaign going? You're you're kind of throwing yourself into this uh, long shot campaign against entrenched incumbent Linnea Palmasano. How's it going? You know, um, it's it's going. Uh, I think uh, I watched the endorsement episode um, and uh, across the board, it was kind of, well, he's not Linnea, but he does, probably doesn't have a chance anyway and so on. And that was kind of my thought going into this was this is a protest vote. This is a place for people who don't necessarily support what Lene is doing or Councilmember Palmasano is doing, but you know, probably not 
viable. Um, and, and I've really been surprised by the people I've heard from uh, who, well, I mean, first were super frustrated, to be honest, um, that I was just kind of, well, you know, I'm a place to put your protest vote. I don't want to take donations if that's all it's going to be. Uh, and the pushback on that was strong and, and you know, from a number of different sources. So I really do think there's there's more momentum uh, behind a progressive candidate than people might think in Ward 13. And so if people want to support your long shot campaign in the DFL process, they would go to caucus.dfl.org and register Correct. and uh, do the thing. They would, and then they would get their... Um, their uh, postcard in the mail. I don't know if you can see that or not, but uh, I'm already set up and re- registered and ready so to you've, go. You've got um, a lot, at least one caucus goer ready to be a delegate for uh, Mike Norton, right? My understanding is that's the only one. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I mean, there's been. Uh, I mean, we have a caucus sign up on the website, and uh, or at least kind of a hey, do you plan to be a delegate for Mike? Uh, and there's been a lot of people that have signed up for it. I mean, a surprising number of people. Um, you, you don't need a big number of delegates to to win in Ward 13. And I think that's what makes it more interesting. Um, you know, 60% is a high threshold to get the uh, the endorsement. But, uh, you know, you're talking about 750 votes or so. Um, so 450, 500 delegates might put you over the top in Ward 13. So it's not, it's not that unrealistic to think we could actually even get the endorsement at this point. I think our initial thought was, hey, let's just go for the block and then focus on November. Um, but I think we've got a long shot chance of actually winning the endorsement at this point. All right. And so talk That's about amazing. what issues, talk about what issues moved you to run. Like, it doesn't seem like this is something you were desperate to do, get Mike Norton elected to something. So something, yeah, something like, must have moved you to take time out of your life and the expense of running for office. You know, I think like most people living in Minneapolis, um, the last year has really engaged me in local politics in a way that that I wasn't before. Um, you know, you look at what happened in uh, in May of last year and what's actively happening right now downtown. And to pretend that this is just kind of another election year is, is kind of nonsensical to me. Um, and so I was I was really hopeful that uh, somebody would. Uh, Sorry, I, I wore my jacket to uh, keep the branding going, but now I'm kind of warm. So, it's part of a warm uh, day. Feel well, free to get, yeah. get comfy. You know, uh, uh, John or Wedge had uh, Wedge Live had put out that tweet that radicalism in War 13 wears a blue blazer. <laughs> so I wanted to stay yeah. stay on that message. Right. If you want to, if you so, want to do the weird thing where you take off your jacket, we can edit that part out, or I can just say I'm going to edit it out and leave it in. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I've seen this before. So that was, you know, as I prepared for all the episodes, I was like, anything I say, anything that happens is in. Like, there's no, oh, hey, can you just take a minute? I'm going to wipe off a well, little bit of sweat we, from my We back. already had a like, blooper that I have to edit out to make myself look not terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, uh, if you'd be so kind as to edit out my, my bloopers, that would be awesome. But I'm, I, I would rather people know that I'm imperfect, I guess, from the beginning. Um, and go from there. But um, sorry, what were we, we talking, were talking about, about? The I, issues that I mean, moved you to run this year, right? No, and I, I apologize. I guess for sidetracking from such an important topic, but um, to me, the biggest thing was 
was George Floyd. Um, and to, to step back and not do anything in this, in this year after that's all taken place and to say, look, we're going to maintain the status quo. Um, you know, we're going to make some marginal improvements and pragmatic changes. Uh, that's, that's just not enough for me. And I guess I was hopeful that somebody better would run and somebody great, you know, would run in Ward 13, but it, it got kind of down to the final days of uh, sign up for the, uh, for the DFL caucuses and nobody had registered in Ward 13. Um, and I just, I kind of sort of felt obligated to at least put another name on the ballot. Okay. So talk about those public safety changes you'd like, you'd like to see implemented in Minneapolis. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the first and foremost is the public safety charter amendment. Um, there's obviously dueling proposals, one going through the council and one going through a petition. Um, I, I think as a start, just having the uh, oversight um, beyond the mayor would be important for public safety. Uh, I'm sure that it's been discussed already, but the structure of the the Minneapolis city charter in regard to policing is very different than it is for any other category. Um, so I, I think putting that, uh, that oversight more under the purview of a, a professional manager versus an elected politician as we have right now with the mayor running it um, would be a better structure. Okay. Uh, and I, I, you know, there, there's obviously more to go from there, but before you even have uh, the ability to have a discussion in terms of what you do next, you have to open up the door for, the council to have a say, because right now the council really has no say uh, in what the police, uh, you know, policies are. So if you had a say, you get elected, Mike Norton gets elected and you have a say on the council. Talk about like, what are some policy changes you'd like to implement or some areas you'd like to have some power over as a council member, as opposed to our current system, which gives the mayor that authority? You know, I don't necessarily want the council to have a ton of authority over day-to-day policy. Um, I think it would be more oversight of, of the structure um, in terms of what, what policing is. Uh, and I, I go into it a little bit on the website, but I'd really like to prosecute or, or focus on the prosecution and building of cases for prosecution of violent and property crime and ease back significantly on, on nonviolent crimes. Um, I'd like to see more of a focus on public safety as a whole um, in, in a holistic view then, hey, we just need more cops. Um, I do think I'm more conservative probably than most of the other guests you'll have on in the sense that I, I'm not for abolishment in any form. I think whatever we have the MPD under in terms of an umbrella in the future, there's still going to be a need for sworn officers in some capacity, uh, whatever name they have. But I do think there will be at least some need in that regard. Uh, but the police right now, everything's falling to them. And I think we've gone over this, you know, before, but uh, just fairly quickly and things like mental health calls, non-emergency calls, things that don't require a sworn officer, uh, reallocating police funds um, and, and the responsibility to handle those calls to other sectors of a public safety department, I think would be an appropriate next step. Okay, let's let's hand it over to Pine. I know Pine wants, maybe we should tell the story again because... When I asked Pine to come on the show and co-host, they said, let's do Nick Core," And we couldn't get Nick Core, So I said, who's second choice? It was Mike Norton. Wow. Yeah. So you're dealing with a big fan here. 
<laughs> you know, I'm a fan of the Pine Cam also. Thank you. So I was, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I, I guess even in War 13, I wasn't a second choice. Uh, so why why was I uh, interesting, I guess? So I wanted to talk to you because I wanted to hear about the kind of person who, like, just has the has the the time and the energy um not to mention the financial situation but like the the literal actual like hours of your day to spend on running this campaign um when you know it's not like anybody in particular asked you to run you decided it sounds like you decided to run yourself is that right Sort of. Um, I, I was sort of recruited. I don't know if you would use that term, but I, I, I wasn't planning on it. Um, and it got down to like the week prior to uh, whenever the, the registration deadline was to get on the caucus uh, slate, I guess. Um, it, someone reached out to me and kind of said, hey, it looks like you might be interested in running. Do you want any help with the process and so mm-hmm. on? And I was like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I am. Thanks. And they were like, you know, I really think you should because nobody else is. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up having a conversation with them. They'd asked, it sounds from conversations I've had over the last few weeks, it sounds like literally dozens of people were asked to run. Uh, <laughs> nobody wanted to. Um, and then I was, you know, the 49th choice or whatever number I was. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was more about just um, not having somebody there to put that. Um, no confidence vote, I guess, or that protest vote was my initial intent. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are frustrated with uh, the way Councilmember Palmasano has approached some pretty significant issues like police reform, like the 2040 plan and housing in general. Um, and to not have any sort of alternative uh, was frustrating to me. So I, I don't necessarily have the time or um, the, the cash <laughs> that, uh, uh, you know, the Minneapolis uh, crime watch Facebook group says I have, but uh, <laughs> have you been attacked by the, uh, crime watch Facebook group? I was erroneously attacked, uh, early on, um, because I said I wasn't going to accept donations. And initially that was because I didn't want to take money for what I thought was a, a non-viable campaign. It just didn't make sense to me. I, you know, I wasn't going to put tens of thousands of dollars into it. It was more, I can throw up a website and do, pay for hosting. I can, buy some signs, buy some mailers and go from there. But um, I wasn't planning on running a full-fledged campaign initially. Um, it, it, you know, So I, I, I put that, hey, I'm not accepting donations on the website. Um, and on, I think on my Twitter profile, I also have that I'm the founder of a Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal, fastest growing company and a Minnesota Technology Association Techni award-winning company. And I guess he didn't see the, the uh, uh, and thought I was the founder of the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal, oh uh, <laughs> and posted that I uh, had deep newspaper pockets. Um, and when somebody said, "What newspaper does he own?" He posted the Business Journal. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, but I think that knee-jerk reaction to anything that even seems anti-police um, is part of the reason people didn't want to run, uh, especially in a place like Ward 13 that's more conservative-leaning than other parts of Minneapolis. Um, you know, people don't want that invasion into their life. Um, sure. I didn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Now now you're hosting a podcast. Now, now I'm co-hosting a podcast. (laughs) But here we are. But I mean, so why, why do you do it? You know, if, if it, if it's not comfortable, if it's not something that, you know, gets you a lot in return other than 
pushing forward an idea or maybe something you believe in, like why, why do it? Uh, or is that why, I guess? <laughs> yeah. I don't know for me, that's, that's it. But, um, yeah, I guess it's just, um, yeah, it's, it feel it feels like it's just necessary. Is that, that basically what it is for you as well? Yeah. I mean, having, having the conversation, I think is the most essential thing. I, I don't think that I'm necessarily right about everything. Um, but, but I do think that there's a, a, a vacancy of conversation right now. And, uh, particularly in Ward 13, where, you know, like what is council member Palmasano's position? Uh, like we know that she thinks it's going too fast. She doesn't like the process, but where does she actually stand on the charter amendment? What would she change about it? Um, and, and I don't think we're fostering those types of conversations because they're uncomfortable. Um, and if we can't have those types of uncomfortable conversations, things don't move forward. My, my other question is like, what have you, have you like taken leave from your job? Are you, um, are you like trying to spin several plates at the same time? Um, yeah, that's basically, I mean, it's just juggling everything at once. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in a fortunate position where I've got some flexibility in terms of what my workload is. Um, but it's not like it goes away. It just kind of shifts to later in the day or on the weekend or something like that. Um, it, it doesn't disappear by any means. I'm not just taking a leave of absence or something like that. Um, I just, I think this is important. I think it's, it's something that's worth being tired for. Um, and something that needs to be brought out into the open, especially in Southwest Minneapolis. I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm happy that you're giving the protest vote something to actually vote for other than just no endorsement. I, I have to say that that's, that's meaningful to me. Um, even though, as I said to John before you came on, I'm not even sure that I've actually been to Ward 13. Like, <laughs> hey, here's, here's your opportunity. Uh, I'm, I'm about to be like clear to go on um, being vaccinated in a couple weeks. What? Um, what should I go do in Ward 13 once it's safe for me to go do things? Wow. Um, you know, you could spend a whole weekend in Ward 13, I would say. Um, I don't know if you've seen the tourism uh, pamphlets, but, <laughs> you know, if you only have a few hours, uh, you know, a, a, a flight, uh, what is it called when you have a flight? The layover. A oh, layover. Yeah. Sorry. These travel terms. I what do they even mean anymore? <laughs> Uh, if you have a layover in Southwest, uh, I would say walk around Lake Harriet would be probably your top top option, uh, uh, and then wander into Linden Hills and find something to eat. Um, maybe over there, you've got Tilia, you've got Martina. Uh, if you go a little further south of the lake, you've got uh, Broders, um, Colita, any number of different places uh, to to uh, satisfy any hunger you've developed from walking around the lake. So, and it's a very different vibe too than the, the, you know, uptown section of the lakes, just like Lake of the Isles is so different than the Nacosca. Lake Harriet is such a different lake than any of the other city lakes. So it, it's my favorite lake to walk around in the city. I can recommend I think, Broders. Oh, nice. I actually do remember now that I did go to Lake Harriet for the kite flying festival when it was frozen over a couple of years back. That was delightful. There you go. You know, you can ride the trolley car actually in the summer uh, down from, I think, like 36th Street, kind of by the cemetery there, um, down to uh, to the Linden Hill stop is still in service. Do you have trolley cars? Yeah, it's, it like doesn't really go anywhere, though. <laughs> yeah. It'd be faster to walk. But it's still fun. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> still sounds novel and delightful. I might do it. Yeah, no. Come, anytime you want to come down, happy to happy to show you around uh, Ward 13. It's definitely worth a visit. You shouldn't have time to do that. You're campaigning. Yeah, well, we. I think it, that's part of campaigning. It's a citywide is, campaign, so we gotta we gotta hit all all the different wards. Is the thing. Um, I'm campaign managing. You probably don't. Oh, you might. You you should know because you did watch. Uh, yeah. So I'm campaign managing for my spouse who's running for the board of estimate and taxation, which is a citywide race. Um, so we, we gotta, we've, we've got big plans and looking at the whiteboard. We've got big plans for, uh, hitting all the, hitting all the different wards and getting, getting, getting name recognition out there. You could campaign together. Some synergy with the BET candidates. So, yeah, I mean, I would be open to that. What would, uh, what would the cross collaboration be? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's ethical to be having the co-hosting duties and the campaign managing duties. No, 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 no. We'll have to take like that this. off the air. We'll have to take yeah. it off the air. <laughs> we'll get offline. All right. Fair enough. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize um, as well. We encouraged it. It's not your fault. It's uh, you. Just, you got so many plates spinning, and you just uh, got got to put them all in the same in the same brain bucket. Speaking of plate spinning, uh, have you heard about uh, Hennepin for People? Um, how do you feel about Hennepin Avenue? I like Hennepin Avenue. Um, it's a uh, sorry, my my battery is struggling here. Oh no! Um, yeah, I don't want to run into a situation where I get get wedged. Get wedged. <laughs> get wedged. So just the catch-all slur for bad things happening. <laughs> Oh, I have both. We're not editing this I out. I can tell you that. No, no. This, this is, is gold. This is gold. <laughs> solid, solid gold. This is really high quality. Candidate so plugging in. The problem in. is I plugged in the wall. The in the back there, just not helping at oh, all. She's talking about. Oh. No, she's, <laughs> she's yeah, unhelpful. Um, she gets by that fire. She doesn't really do much after that. All right. Well, that was fun. I'm glad that uh, I could look professional in that, yeah, that moment. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so um, I think I think at least it won't crash now. Oh, so. that's a plus. That's, the question was, yeah. have you heard about um, Hennepin for People and how do you feel about uh, Hennepin Avenue? So, yeah, I apologize. Uh, I actually, my office is on Hennepin Avenue, just south of where the new renovation or the, the changes will be. Um, I'm in the Echo south uptown i guess echo there but um you know i like walking around um i I think hennepin particularly between lake and um where it connects to 94 and lindale there at the the peak of the wedge whatever it would be described as um you know it's not really a a walk friendly environment um i usually over there will slide over to uh, lake of the isles um and just kind of avoid it um so i like that there's a shift towards making it a little bit more pedestrian friendly, um, especially if we can incorporate safety components to that. I think that's the big driver for me on a lot of these changes uh, in terms of adding sidewalk space and space for pedestrians and space for bikes is if you just have paint on the side of the road, that's not a bike lane. That's not a safe place for somebody's kid to go bike, you know, up and down Hennepin Avenue. Um, if they've got a protected separated lane, that's a different environment. So that, that would be where I would lean in terms of, um, the Hennepin Avenue changes, but um, I'm not actually up 
where, where it's going to be taking place. I mean, John, what, what do you think of uh, the Hennepin Avenue? I, I like option one with the bus lane and the bike route. I think it's good. I'm excited. When I, actually, when I saw the two options, I'm like, either one of these would be amazing for the neighborhood. It's like, I, I want a street for people where it's nice to live on, where I like, well, where I will enjoy going to visit because Hennepin Avenue right now is, is just, it's, you want to avoid it's it. Unfriendly. You don't, it's unfriendly. You don't want to cross it. You don't want to walk along it. You know, I don't drive, but I imagine people don't enjoy driving on it either. It's just a terrible no. place. You get somebody trying to turn left at the wrong spot. Chaos. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's not, not really a great, um, not really a great road for a lot of different reasons right now. So I'm hopeful that there's positive changes coming. And I really think the business opposition is misguided because the best thing for business is to make this a nice place to be, place people want to be. But that's that's my Ward 10 issue. This is Ward 13. So So what are the big issues in Ward 13? Do people only want to talk about public safety? Like when you're out talking to people, your neighbors, like what... What are they looking for you to do and address if you get elected? Yeah, I mean, public safety is, is the biggest uh, or the most common topic, but I would say housing is number two here. Uh, there's still a lot of opposition to 2040 and, you know, the word density even. Um, so I, I think that's a little bit of a hurdle right now uh, where I've come out in, with a little bit more progressive housing position, uh, obviously, than Councilmember Palmasano takes. So that's an area where uh, I think there's some some conversations to be had, I guess, because it it does seem it does seem like there's uh, even like misinformation, I would say, in Ward 13, where people believe that you're not allowed to even build a single family ho- home in Ward 13. Really? Still, next door. Still, yeah. No, this was recent. Like this was two, three weeks ago on next door. Um, you know. Has the city banned all single family? Though I have to imagine, like a lot of Ward 13 neighborhoods are still seeing teardowns and like mansions going up in their place. So how does that, how is that consistent with a belief that they've been banned when they're still going up all over the place? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I don't know how that's uh, reconciled or rationalized uh, for the people making that complaint, but. Um, you know, I, I think that there's just anxiety that uh, these neighborhoods will turn into these, you know, busy downtown environments or uptown type environments when, you know, you know, in the wedge, if you get a street off of Hennepin or a street off of Lake, it's pretty quiet. Right. Um, and, it, you know, something that matches the roof line, like there's apartments behind my house right now. Uh, there's a fourplex. <gasps> it's not you, but <laughs> literally my backyard and life's been fine. You know, um, and, you know, I think it's more of an anxiety of the unknown and fear of change um, than it is actual frustration with the idea of density or what it might bring. And so what's the what's the strategy for alleviating that fear, countering the misinformation in Ward 13 on housing? Like, are you are you coming up with because you've obviously pull tested your campaign perfectly to lose in war 13 your pro 2040 plan your uh <laughs> your for the public safety charter amendment 
Are right. you coming up with a strategy to win people over and talk about these issues in a way that convinces them on housing? I think talking about them is the way to win them over. Uh, I, most people, when you actually have the conversation about what the 2040 plan is and what it means, and especially in a place like Ward 13, where it's really just major corridors, they're going to see real changes. Uh, in most other places, you have duplexes already. You have small apartment buildings. You don't have these six-story developments, but I think that's going to be few and far between, especially in this part of town. So helping people understand that even allowing these this type of housing to ease the pressure on supply um, and alleviate the shortage is, is what's necessary to kind of get, get people in a better environment. Um, you know, there's probably not going to be a lot of single room occupancy housing in Linden Hills, uh, but it still needs to be available, you know, uh, even if it doesn't make economic sense because the land value is too high, you shouldn't have restrictions on property um, like that. It's just not really fair. It's not appropriate. And so another thing you mentioned on your website, promote aging in place by minimizing the impact of skyrocketing property values on long-term residents. What can the city do and what could you do if elected to, to minimize the impact of skyrocketing property values? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing driving property values, especially over the last year or two, has been a lack of supply. Um, and in that same time period, it's not like city services have become less expensive or reduced or anything like that. So uh, inevitably what happens is property values go up, uh, property taxes go up with them. The, the full burden of uh, the expense of the city rests on the same quantity of homes, even though the cost of the city operation goes up. Um, so if you can actually add people to that equation and spread out that tax base a little bit, it prevents the the property value, or excuse me, it prevents property taxes from jumping on somebody that's been here for a long time. It also makes it a little bit easier uh, for somebody who's, let's say, in place, uh, empty nester type of environment or something like that, that doesn't need the space they have and has a lot of equity in their home. Um, it gives them, it, giving them an opportunity to move into a smaller home or an apartment or, or a condo or something like that in their existing neighborhood uh, where that opportunity isn't there right now in a lot of places in Southwest Minneapolis. If you want to downsize, you've got to move out of the neighborhood. Um, and I think those are a few different ways um, that you can make it a little bit easier to, to not be pushed out uh, by raising or, or rising property values. So have you had success using the property tax argument, spreading out the tax base argument for housing in Ward 13? I, I think Ward 13 is more conservative fiscally. Um, I would view myself as a fiscal conservative. Um, so arguments like that, I think, even though they may not take as strong a hold in other parts of the city, I think they, they have greater weight here. Um, so uh, property rights, property taxes, uh, things like that, uh, you know, matter more here. And so what is the Transportation Club of Minneapolis and St. Paul? Because your website says you used to be on the board of directors. I don't know what that is, and I don't know what they do. Uh, it was just a business organization. It actually um, sort of got a, a, well, it got closed technically, but really everybody shifted over to a different uh, trade association. But they were, at the time, the oldest uh, transportation club in the country, basically trucking companies, uh, oh. railroad, uh, transportation in general. Um you would commercial transportation, I should say, uh, meet, you know, have conferences, things like that. It was a business okay, group, so, but through them, sorry, no, go ahead. 
I was gonna say through them, I ended up, uh, they, they had a seat on the Minnesota Freight Advisory Committee. Um, and so I ended up on uh, the Minnesota Freight Advisory Committee, which is part of MnDOT uh, for a year approximately, which was super interesting experience, I would say. Um, but maybe not something I'd do again. So it's it's not about bike lanes. You're not bringing bike lanes with the transportation club. You're bringing freight. You're talking about like where the BNSF inland port uh, facility should be, uh, things like that. Okay, Pine, do you want to ask this guy about the uh, the controversy he got into when he went to college about the uh, complimentary lot, the free parking yes. lot? Yes, that whole thing. Yes, yes. Uh, I um, I really love the story on your website about uh, the free parking lot that you made them relabel. Um, please, please, please give me a deep dive on that story. I would love it. <laughs> That's uh, not a lot of people are interested in that story. So I'm, I'm excited that someone is. Uh, so this was a student Senate, uh, you know, different uh, student allocation committee meetings, things like that. And basically you could pay for a parking pass or you could park in what they called the free lot, which was this mud pit essentially on the other side of the last paid lot. And then there was different uh, colors or whatever it was. Yeah. It was different colors of lots as you progressively got closer to campus for the, you know, higher prices as you got more proximal. So the free lot would always be full. And uh, so it would tear it up when you plow it in the winter. Uh, it would just, it just got bad. So it constantly needed more and more subsidies. Um, so mm-hmm. I had started pushing for renaming it from the free lot to the complimentary lot and then paid for by student fees underneath. So that was kind of the driver for that. And it actually ended up happening. Um, so not that it was like this, I would that, see back then that was not a liberal cause. It was more of a like fiscal conservatism type thing. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, I mean, I was a Republican in college. I don't mean to Ooh. like ruin my chances uh, for a legend live endorsement, <laughs> but uh, at that same Already time, got period, it. I was got it. big on John McCain and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so the, I was coming at it from like a fiscal conservatism uh, point of view. And I actually wrote a book on student fees. Oh, what was that? Uh, Sorry, what was my crochet needle? <laughs> Those heavy metal ones. You got, you got the nice, the real stuff. I got that. My, my friend gave me or lent, you know, long term lent me this um, beautiful thing. Um, but I'm, I'm making a, I'm making a basket. Ooh, okay. Um. How far along is that? Oh, this is this is the um the bottom. So like one day it will be as wide as I want it to be, and then I'll start building up. Um, it doesn't take very long. Um, but a question that I wanted to like follow up on. So you're like, this is all about like fiscal conservatism and and calling stuff not free when it's not free. Um, what do you think about street parking? It's the same. The same uh, environment. I mean, the city's subsidizing that parking. Um, you know, it's not, it's definitely not free parking. Um, I mean, cause somebody's paying for it and it's also at the expense of what could be in those spaces. Um, so I, I think if we talked more about what parking actually costs, maybe the opportunity costs or the alternatives that were there would become a little bit more uh, realistic and more attractive. This is the part of the episode where I wish I had loaded the freedom isn't free sound into the soundboard. Maybe I have to load that in after. I'm just like, <laughs> going, go ahead. I was going to say, like, if you go back, the, my one of my favorite economists back then, 
was a guy named Steven Landsberg. He wrote like uh, Armchair Economists and a few other books like that. But he actually talks about the high cost of free parking back in the early aughts, you know, so 15, 20 years ago. Um, I, I think that there there are, especially as, as the Democratic Party expands and brings in people like me that were driven away by Trumpism and, and what's become of the GOP. I mean, you look at like Jennifer Carnahan winning the Minnesota GOP chair role yesterday. I mean, the Republican Party, for all intents and purposes, if you're a reasonable person, it's tough to maintain your membership. And it doesn't look like they're going to correct the course anytime soon. Like that Mitt Romney brand of Republicanism is a dying breed at this point. So I, I think that, that that big tent DFL mentality, I, I guess, is kind of what I would lean towards. Uh, and I do think that there's opportunities for things like parking, for things like um, even public safety to talk about, you know, what are, what are we getting in return for these expenses? And where could we better allocate these funds for better outcomes? If we're, if we're doing an outcome-based uh, strategy, does it make the most sense to continue funding the things that we fund? That is interesting. I never had thought of myself as a fiscal conservative before, but I guess uh, we're, we're, we're finding more in common than I expected. <laughs> See, it's amazing when people talk to each other. Sometimes, uh, sometimes they're not uh, enemies. You've said you'll commit to having Lincoln-Douglas-style debates at the Lake Harriet trolley stops with anyone and everyone who runs for city council in Ward 13. Uh, I don't Absolutely. know if I have a question there. That's just, that was a funny thing for me to read on your website. <laughs> I think that goes into the conversation component. I, you know, um, I appreciate that you picked up on, on that it was a joke, but I, I was serious about it in the sense that having those conversations, even with somebody that you disagree with, and I would do, even do that with Councilmember Palmasano. If she wanted to have debates at the Lyndon Hills trolley shop, I would. Um, because I think getting these conversations out in the open is important. And I'm not saying that I'm 100% right on everything and that she needs to come to my side. But what I am saying is that we need to have open and honest conversations about the changes. So, have. so have you asked her? Like, I have not at this point. Okay. No. So the way the way you do that, I think, is to go to like every neighborhood org in Ward 13 and say, "Hey, please host a debate. Please invite all the candidates." And uh, you know, she probably won't show up, but that's how you pressure her into showing up for one. Right. Well, I, I think that that, um, you know, I, I think realistically, especially if I'm seen as a non-viable candidate, at least out of the gate, um, it's easy for her to just no show to those there sorts of things. So, so. There are so many non-viable candidates this year. Like I had it's the War 10 forums were a disaster. Like I hate half the candidates. They're terrible. So don't don't feel like. Mike Norton has to apologize for existing in War 13. You deserve a candidate for him. I, I appreciate that. I, I guess what I'm saying is, how do I nudge Councilmember Palmasano into having that conversation if she feels like she doesn't have to? I'm not saying that I believe I'm non-viable, but right. until she feels like I'm a threat. And even then, I think her approach to this point has been to avoid the conversation. Um, so why would she change course, I guess, suddenly um, when there's somebody else there? I mean, I, I would love to have the conversation. I don't want to, I, I don't want to sit here and make uh, Councilmember Palmasano into a villain um, because everybody I've talked to, especially in Ward 13, really likes her. Um, they're just very frustrated with the way she's approached some of these, some of these recent uh, policy decisions. Um, and I, I think that's, 
that's what needs to happen is, is her to be forced to have the conversation publicly and openly um, is the most important thing for Ward 13. Okay. If, if you want, if you want to debate on a future episode of the Wedge Live podcast, we could do that. <laughs> I would be happy to attend a Wedge Live debate. I don't, I don't know that that's, uh, we'll see. If you want to invite Councilmember Palmasano, uh, I can make time. I don't, I don't really want to invite Councilmember Palmasano, but <laughs> <laughs> if you want to invite her, and then and force me, you'd have, you'd have to publicly pressure me to have you both on. But I'm more likely to say yes than she is. I I think, yeah, that's probably accurate. But would you, I mean, would you not want to facilitate an environment where, where she could come out and explain her positions a little yeah. bit more? Um, I'm happy to do that's... that. That's fine. I just, I, I am always skeptical of how productive conversations can be. That's why I have great admiration for other candidates who uh, who are willing to have conversations with people because I don't have the patience for it. <laughs> I really don't. So yeah, like talking to the neighborhood orgs and having them, uh, you know, reaching out to your connections with the neighborhood orgs and saying, you know, look, Echo, would you host this forum or... No, your That's business is an echo. Your That's business is an echo. Uh, where uh, you live in Lyndhurst, right? Yeah, Lyndhurst, uh, Fulton, Linden Hills. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, uh, reach out to your neighborhood orgs and ask them to host a conversation. Yeah, no, and that's, um, I think I said kind of at the beginning of the, the podcast here, um, people have been reaching out and there's been a number of people who are actually already in those circles uh, that are getting involved in the campaign now. Yeah. Um, so as we start to move forward, I'm sure that that's going to be part of the strategy. Nice. I've actually been, I've been really surprised by like real serious people, you know, cause I, I, like I said, I was planning to be the protest vote. I was planning to just kind of, all right, somebody's here and I'll move on with my day um, and understand that I wasn't going to be taken that seriously necessarily. Uh, but like real serious people in political circles in Minneapolis have reached out and assisted the campaign, whether it was with messaging or with strategy or even long-term involvement, as well as just neighborhood organization uh, members and, and people that live here uh, that want to be involved. I've, I've really been surprised by the amount of enthusiasm. I, I think it was already there. It just needed some sort of a, a channel for it to hit. So That's exciting. Do you want to break any news on your fundraising pledge? You said you wouldn't raise money. You pledge not to raise any money. You're only going to spend your own money. But you indicated to me in an email that this might change. What would change that? Uh, I am. Uh, I, I don't have details yet, but we are. Uh, you're breaking news on the Wedge Life podcast. Uh, in our effort to become a more serious campaign and make a real go of it, uh, we're going to start accepting donations. Uh, I, I don't know specifically how we're going to structure that, but I, I do want to limit who and how. Uh, we take money in. I, I don't want to just, hey, send it over. We'll do our best. So it, it's going to be a little bit before we actually roll it out. Um, I mean, not too long because we need it to be fairly quick with the caucus registration deadline being at the end of the month. But uh, we are going to start accepting donations uh, very soon. Okay. Another interesting thing about you, you were diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome in 2019. How do you, yeah. you're not a young person. How do you, how is someone diagnosed with that as an adult? I'm curious. I mean, I had it the whole time. Right. It wasn't like yeah. I, I got it. 
But how do you find that out? I, I had uh, some exposure to Asperger's and autism spectrum disorder in general. And you start to understand it more and you start to think, you know, that some of those things are the way I act and the way I respond or the things I kind of shrink from. Um, you know, like the fact that we're having this conversation on a camera uh, where I'm comfortably in my own home is a like, great environment for me okay. <laughs> because it's a little bit more difficult for me in social situations. Uh, you just get anxious. You get hyper fixated on certain things and so on. But for me, I, I just started to notice it more. And I'd said I had it for a number of years just because I thought I did. Uh, and my wife was a little bit frustrated that I was just saying I had it without actually going and getting a diagnosis. So I went in and spoke to a professional and, you know, did a number of sessions and just told them why I thought I had it. I, I feel awkward at all times, but I feel <laughs> kind of okay on this podcast. So I don't know. Do you feel like you uh, can get into hyper-focus on topics that really interest you and like not even look so, up for hours at a time? So what, what, what kind of behavior would that manifest in like, like describe what that means? I mean, it's it's autism spectrum disorder. No, so I mean, it's, like, it's, I don't know. Do like describe how that that may have affected you. Like, what what would you do in that way that made you think you had it? Uh, so for me, eye contact for a long time was a big thing. Um, uh, so people people don't like when you don't look at them when you're talking right. to them. Uh, and for if you're on the spectrum, it, you can lose focus very quickly, and you really almost think with tunnel vision. So it's great when you're on the same topic or in sync with somebody, but if you're not, uh, you're way out there. And, and that would be difficult for me, like in school and when I worked in, uh, you know, for other people uh, in, in corporations or even at smaller companies, uh, you, you just don't communicate in the same way and you lose track of things that aren't engaging to you in that moment. Um, so you really have to kind of learn to focus, learn to communicate with people the way they want to be communicated with. So they don't think that you're ignoring them. Uh, so like I would do things like I would look at people's left eye, like I would put just all my focus on their left eye because then you're not looking at their whole face or their whole person. And it's easier and it's simpler. Um, but you're also not darting around the room as you're talking to them or looking at the floor or things like that. Um, you know, missing social cues, uh, you know, you'll you'll pick up on things in a conversation that everybody else is over here, but you're fixating on this one thing, which sometimes is great. But most of the time can be can make conversation clumsy, I guess, or social interactions clumsy. So, and so how's campaigning going with that? Are you doing? Are you door knocking, talking on the phone? Like, is it affecting how you campaign? Not to this point. I mean, I'm not ever going to be like that. You know, uh, RT Ryback, uh, jovial, uh, shake your hand, and, and everything else, uh, but. I'm not like afraid to have conversations. It's not like I'm completely, uh, you know, pulled back from it or any social search, social situation. It's just, um, it, you know, it, it's more that I'll just do something awkward or weird and I won't even notice it because it wasn't a thing for me. And I'll just go right by it and go to the next thing. And people come away like, what was that guy's deal? Uh, is more often what it's like. It's not like in the moment people are ridiculing me or like, what's your problem? It's usually later um, when I've gone that they're like, what was his deal? I bet so many people do that to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've, I've become cripplingly like now terrified that this is happening everywhere. Oh my God. (laughs) What if they are? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would say, 
So having lived in other places than Minnesota, it's so much better here because nobody will say to your face, like, what's your fucking problem? Like they'll just <laughs> go and you'll think that you had this wonderful interaction with them and you just go about yeah. your day and they'll tell your neighbor what was that guy's problem. But, um, you know, you're gone. You're having a fine time at this point. Even if it's a synthetic uh, social happiness, what do you care? I think I think you just have to tell yourself, and this is what I tell myself, nobody cares about you. Nobody cares enough to have any thoughts about you when you're not there. Right. Or if they do, they're fleeting and they move to the next yeah. one. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Just move on. Yeah. How much does it really matter? Yeah. They don't, nobody you know. cares about you. We can all move on. <laughs> right. you, do you want to, we're done then? Is that what you're no, we're not done. We're, I've, I've got some, I've got a potentially very embarrassing series of questions for you coming up later, but Pine, do you have anything else right, right now? I've got some gotcha uh, questions coming up. Oh my God. Do I have anything else? Um, you can wait to think about it. We could do the gotcha segment. I'm, yeah. First. Yeah. Let's do, do the gotcha segment. Okay. Let's, let's, let's get this guy got. Okay. You know, that thing where people run for president and they'll be like, who's the president of Uzbekistan or Turkmenistan mm-hmm. or one of the stands. And then the person doesn't know. And then they're shamed. Right. Sure. So we're going to do that to you only with local mayors. Right? Good. Great. <laughs> so Mike Norton, who is that local mayor? Oh, Melvin Carter. Okay. All right. You got the first one. That's the easy one. Okay. <laughs> I've actually tweeted at Melvin Carter uh, Zillow listings in Minneapolis. Really? Uh, in the hope that maybe he could move here and find a similar job. Oh, are you not oh. a fan of... Are you not a fan of Mayor Fry? You're uh, trying to recruit a neighboring mayor? You know, I, I think people uh, uh, really like Mayor Carter. I think Mayor Carter is very sincere. Um, even though I, I don't necessarily agree with all of his policies, he, he's a leader. He's a real leader. Um, and I, I think that's important, especially right now. Okay. On to the second mayor, Mike Norton. Who is this local mayor? Um. This mayor, I don't know. Edina? Okay, you got the city right. I guess Jim Hovland just has that Edina look. Yeah, that's Edina Mayor Jim Hovland. Okay. Okay, the third one, who, Mike Norton, who is this local mayor? Ah, uh, this is, how many of these are? do you think we're going to do? Um, uh... Looks like we got we got four four or five mayors to do. <laughs> um, I apologize, I do not know. Okay, that's fine. Uh, that is Richfield Mayor Maria Regan Gonzalez. Yeah, that's you know a mile from here. I should know know these things. I really feel got at this point. Um, I don't know if we need to continue. We, we do need to continue. I oh yeah. I prepared this segment. Uh, and uh, Mike Norton, who is this local mayor? This local mayor. You're definitely not getting this one. Uh, I do not know. Amada Marquez Simula. I would not have gotten that one. I think I would have gotten the first three. Okay. Sure. I think I got one and a half. Final. So. We have a final local mayor. Mike Norton. Who's this local mayor? Um, 
uh, I, 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 once again, I am not certain of who this person is. That's a trick question. That's not a local mayor. That's Minneapolis city clerk, Casey Carl. So you got double got, you got double got on that one. You don't know who the city clerk. Minneapolis city Can clerk, I say, Casey so Carl? I, went to the, I, I don't. Yeah. And that's uh double God. Uh, <laughs> is that like how current of a picture is this? It's a little bit old. Seems that's a little, little bit old. out of date. Okay. That's probably why I, I have. Said, yeah. Dated. I mean, if I you've been one... watching any of the stuff recently, like, you know, his face is on the, the podcast. I've got one. This is not a local mayor, but what's the adjacent ward to Ward 13? To the east. To the east is uh, eight, isn't it? Uh, maybe, further but I'm thinking of the one that's further south. 11? Yeah. So take a look at that and tell me who is the real Jeremy Schrader? We've got four four pictures. Only one of these is Jeremy Schrader. Tell me which one. This is All potentially right. your colleague come 2022. Only one is Jeremy Schrader? Only um, one of them. I'm going to say top. Well, it's 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 not one or four. Um, three could be some grainy video image, and I'm just missing it. But I guess I'm going to. The two doesn't really. I'm going to say two or three with a lean towards two. You got to you got to have one final answer. Uh, I guess two. No, that's that's a pharmaceutical ad. That's not Jeremy Schrader. <laughs> is it three? One, one is Ricky Schrader, child star from the eighties. <laughs> Four is a stock image of a bald white man, uh-huh. and three is a screenshot from a city council meeting. That's Jeremy okay, see, Schrader, number three, with his collar out. It's difficult. Oh, see, I should have noticed the collar out. Do you have any like uh, photos with chickens or or laundry or anything like that? Right. Yeah, because you've watched previous episodes where we did the chicken laundry tweet. You've actually seen Jeremy Schrader before. Sure, I'm familiar with the whole Schrader Schroeder uh, dialogue. Which is it? Is it Schrader or Schroeder? I believe it to be Schrader. I mean, I feel like we should maybe ask him or, or see how he says it. That tends to be, in my opinion, the best. Way I think he say. prefers Schrader. That's what I would call him. Thank you for playing along with our gotcha questions. Yeah, thanks. That was great. I think that was really good for my campaign as well. You got you got basically one and a half out of the mayors. You didn't get city clerk Casey Carl. You missed on the Schrader. Missed on the Got gotten. To be fair, I said it could be three, but it's difficult to deter- discern with the. It looks like kind of a grainy screenshot. I you know we can play the tape. Yeah. Uh, and we will flash the images on the screen so people can judge how much you got got. There will definitely be judgment. I would have said I would have said too as well. Just you know, but I don't so I don't live there. So the what happens if I search my computer for Schrader? All these pictures come up because whenever I'm like scrolling on Twitter, I'll see an ad of a picture of a guy who's like, "Wait, is that Jeremy Schrader?" No, it's a pharmaceutical ad. And so I end up with all these lookalikes of Jeremy Schrader because he's got one of those faces. Sure. Uh, he's Wedge Live endorsed, I believe, isn't he? Um, he is. I, I have great respect for Jeremy Schrader, but we we can make we can make fun of him because of that. He won't mind. There you go. 
And so, like, I won't be able to do this quiz with future candidates. And I figure Mike Norton, long shot candidate, if I make him mad by embarrassing him on my podcast, it won't matter. He's not going to win, right? I, you know, a week ago, I would have agreed with that. Prove um, me wrong. Make me regret embarrassing you on my podcast. Uh, by, by being mad at you or by winning? By winning and being mad, forever mad that I embarrassed you on my podcast. You know, I really... I, I, um, I do think we can win now. I mean, I, I think a week ago, and I think I've had conversations in the past about this, but, um, you know, I really thought it was a protest vote. I really thought, like you were saying, you know, I have no chance in Ward 13. It's a more conservative district. But I do think that there's a lot of people that have kind of the same feelings that I have in Southwest Minneapolis. And maybe just because they didn't run or didn't have an outlet for uh, expression of those uh, opinions doesn't mean they weren't there. Um, so my hope is, especially even if we don't win, if we can uh, develop a network of people who um, want to change the status quo in Southwest, because this seat is up again in 2023 um, with the, sh the shortened terms this year after the census. So uh, I, I do think even if it's not a win in the short term, which I am more uh, leaning towards it actually being, um, but if we don't get that, and regardless of what happens in November, there's a shift happening in Southwest Minneapolis already. So talk about why you would not run again. Like what, what if we, uh, what if Mike Norton as council member is capable of doing great things and two years doesn't feel like enough because that's, that's hardly any time at all. Like by the time you get, get rolling, you're, you're out of the job. I, I think, uh, you know, if you rewind three minutes to the gotcha game, uh, I think there's people that are better prepared for this right now than me. Um, and I think that maybe they, for whatever reason, didn't want to run this time. Um, and if they have two years to kind of prepare themselves and, and set it up and know that there's going to be an opportunity in 2023, um, maybe we get a full slate of great candidates. I mean, you look at what's happening in Ward 10 uh, and Ward 9. I know you say you don't like uh, some of the candidates, but I also think there's probably two or three candidates that you'd be very happy if they became your council member in Ward 10. And I, I like when there's people who are engaged, people who are involved and, um, I think 2023 is, is the opportunity for Ward 13 for that to happen. You know, the, the other risk is like, I think all the time, like Paul Masano is frustratingly bad a lot of times, but Ward 13 could do so much worse. So you could be the one who knocks her out and then allows someone so much worse to come in. Like an act, like somebody who's yeah. still a Republican. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think that there's any, I mean, it's more of that Joe Biden um, vibe of Democrat over here than it is like full Republicanism anymore. I don't think you can politely say you're Republican in Southwest Minneapolis, even maybe Dinah, but you're going to have to go. I'm, I'm thinking that. like Lisa McDonald or something. You could be opening the door for Lisa McDonald to return to power. Maybe, or we could be developing a network of people that change Southwest Minneapolis forever. You okay, know, that's yeah. that's a that's a better way to put it. Pine, do you have uh, some closing questions, burning questions? Oh God, um, I, I feel so far removed from Ward Nine, uh, from from Ward Nine where I am. I feel so far removed from Ward Thirteen. How can we bring our city back together? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's part of the problem is Ward 13 in Southwest feels like a different city. Um, and really, I feel like 
Minneapolis feels like five different cities. You know, you've got Northeast and North and South and Southwest and then downtown all separated by freeways. Um, and, you know, how often do you cross a freeway to go to a different part of town, even though it's still part of Minneapolis? Um, and, and, you know, going back to Mayor Carter uh, with what they're doing with the, the land bridge project uh, and trying to kind of reconnect some of those neighborhoods, you know, those things could happen here. Um, I, I think part of the anxiety with Ward 13 and Southwest in particular is it feels like a like a different part of the city. It's almost its own little cul-de-sac with the lakes kind of protecting it and tucking it in. Um, so it, it does feel different. It does feel distant, um, but it's all still Minneapolis. And, and I think we should all approach it that way. You know, the, the kids um, that go to school with my daughter at Justice Page Middle School live in South Minneapolis blocks from 38th and Chicago, from George Floyd Square. So to pretend that just because you're proximally uh, 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 far from it, means that you're not a part of it or it's not impacting your life um, is just naive. That's, that's all I've got. I just, I just feel so, oh, that's, all that's all I got. I, so, sorry. I, uh, I was so excited about the blazer lining that I was going to interrupt your half expressed question to ask about the, uh, the lining of this blue blazer. The lining. Um, sure. Wait, uh, <laughs> so, so here, let me uh, pull my, my mask out, I guess. I think, but, I think this is probably like the podcast cover image is you exposing the skull and crossbones of your uh, blazer lining. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I'll give you the backdrop on this um, jacket. So I, um, I go to various conferences in like uh, Asia and Europe and I dress like an American at those places. So um, I kind of stick out, like, especially in Europe, people are in a suit and, you know, very put together at these types of business events uh, or conferences and so on. So I was like, oh, I want to go buy a suit. And I went and got a suit and so on. And they're like, oh, you need to put a liner in it. And it's supposed to look this. Like, I don't want to like a liner. And, I, and they're like, no, you can do whatever you want. So I was like, well, I want that one. And I picked Skull and Crossbones. And they're like, well, you need to, uh, usually you put your name on the inside of the jacket or what, how do you want your name printed on or uh, stenciled in? So I was like, I don't really want my name. And they're like, well, you got to put something. Like, what do you do when they take your jacket and they bring it back? And this is all kind of foreign to me. So I'm like, well, you remember the scene at the end of Pulp Fiction uh, where Samuel L. Jackson is like, hey, give me back my wallet. And she's like, well, how do I know which one's yours? So I don't know if you can see there. Skull and crossbones. That motherfucker. Look at that. We see it. Oh. Oh, no. Ooh. Too hot for a podcast. Oh, my God. I didn't get that reference at first. On it. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm floored over here. Wow. <laughs> I think it, you're supposed to, when you get like a suit made, you're supposed to like put your, you know, uh, lengthy uh, waspy name with, you know, middle, double middle name and like the third at the end of it and so on. But I didn't really want to do that. So I thought this was a good, good alternative, but still to make it mine, you know. It's nice. Thank you for showing us your uh, the inside of your jacket. Anytime. How, how does your dog know exactly where to be to be on camera? Uh, so I I know where she goes when the fire is on. So I just uh, move the camera. This is all premeditated. This isn't yeah. cute or adorable. It's premeditated. Right. You people will probably look at her and think he seems like a real human person. Right. He's got, he's got a dog. 
Very happy dog. Okay, we're 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 at an hour and fifteen minutes. That is way too long for a podcast oh with a long shot candidate in Ward thirteen, but we did it, and uh, it wasn't painful. I enjoyed it. I would keep talking. I could. I have yeah. all day. Stay here all day. Well, I, I, <laughs> let me make sure I covered everything. I think we covered everything. So you're saying you don't have the balls to keep going? Yeah. I, well, I don't have the sound loaded. Oh, Should sorry. I load I was, the sound? I've seen all the episodes in the last few days, so I've fully... Brian, is it okay if I play the ball sound? Uh, no. No, it is not. Do not play no. the ball sound. No. No. We're making this We're making this a ballsless balls podcast episode. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Well, then I guess we're done. No balls. No balls. Um, I'm, I'm just... I'm excited to... Uh, have a good um, common sense candidate in in Word thirteen. It's a common sense common that sense. I actually that I actually have. Also, even the radical that I am. Wow, that's exciting. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about your campaign, Mike. I'm not going to give you any money, but I'm excited about your campaign. Pine, there's no amount of money you could give me that would be as great as you saying those words. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. We made a connection. We made a connection at the end of the show. <laughs> and so our guest has been Mike Norton from Ward 13. My co-host has been Pine from Ward 9. Moonlighting from the uh, Christopher BET campaign. And I, I think that's the uh, end of the episode. This is a real, real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. None of you have the balls to stop. Stop this. We're in the wedge neighborhood right now, 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 right now.